0: think that the very best answer for everybody is Jesus, and to understand how to apply the truths of God's Word for every area of life, including biblical counseling. And so we're wanting to partner with the other ministries uh, in our city and have what we're going to call Real Life Counseling Center, and we just asked you... To pray and ask God what if He would have you give to help kickstart this ministry, and as always, there's no pressure attached to that. We just let you know the opportunity that's there, and then just uh, ask you to take the next step as you feel comfortable doing that. And we were we, we had an organization partner with us and said that whatever you can raise, they would match dollar for dollar up to ten thousand dollars to help us kickstart this. And so we told you that at twenty first and the twenty eighth, we'd be receiving an offering. And just pray if, if God would ask you to partner with us above your tithe, what you'd like to give. And I just want to just brag on all of you so very much that because of your generosity, last week we received over $17,000 uh, to go toward the ministry. Isn't that not amazing? Absolutely. Um, and and what, what means so much to me about that is not just your partnership, but also your belief in what's going on and that Jesus truly is the answer uh, to the need of mental health and helping us figure out how to do that. And so uh, if you would still like to partner with us, you know, we, we just always ask you, if you'd like just to pray and ask God what he'd have you to give, uh, we have one more week we can do that. Make sure you mark on your offering envelope that it's going to match to impact offering and that's gonna go toward helping us uh, kickstart this ministry. So thank you so very much for doing that. And the other thing is start Starting next week, some of you have asked us about this, and that is that we are starting a a four-week class beginning next week during our 11 a.m. service, and it is that idea of no matter whether you're a brand-new baby believer or you've been a Christian for years, many of us have never had the opportunity just to systematically walk through what it looks like to be a, a, a Christian. So We're going to have four classes, one after the other, and we're going to be doing it during the 11 o'clock hour uh, in one of our classrooms. And It's going to be things like just spiritual formation, like how to read your Bible, the SOAP Bible study method, how to pray, uh, how to do all those different things. Week two is going to be about the Christian community and why you need your uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. Week three is how to defend your faith and know what you believe. and Then week four is we're going to help you understand how to form your personal testimony so that when God opens that door, you can share your story uh, with somebody else. Just a basic foundation And I would love for everybody at some point in your journey with RLC to go through the Foundations class. So if you would like to know more about that, you need to stop by the Welcome Center today so we know you're coming, because we've only got so much room back there, and so at some point we're going to have to have a cutoff, and then say you can join us on the next go-around in October, because we only have so many uh, seats for you. But I would love at some point for everybody to go through it. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal, okay? All right, now, once again, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be talking today about something we're going to call worship culture. And it's the idea of trying to figure out how, how and why we do this thing called worship uh, when it comes to not just Sunday mornings but just in life in general because that is something that you know, we don't really talk about a lot in church. If you uh, were with us a few months ago, we had, um, we had some folks up here and we talked about the next generation. And we just had some Q&A on how we can impact the next generation. And so we thought, how great would it be? to kind of do the same thing, but to talk about what it looks like to be a, a worshiping church, and not just on Sundays, but in all of life. And the big idea behind this comes from John chapter 4, and that's why I was, I was telling you about that. And in the story, Jesus is reaching out to a lady. Uh, he's been traveling all day long, and he's stopping to talk to her, and he's trying to talk to her about her relationship with, with himself, and that he is the Messiah and all this. But they're kind of getting crossed up on this because... The Samaritans and the Jewish people didn't like each other very much, and a lot of it had to do with how they worshipped. There was actually this thing back in history where when the Jewish people went back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls, a guy named Sanballat came against the, the nation of Israel and did not want them to rebuild the walls, and he was a Samaritan. And so there was all this problem. And then afterward, uh, in between Malachi and the book of Matthew, uh, the actual the Jewish people partnered with the Romans and destroyed the place of worship for the Samaritans. And so they didn't like each other, and a lot of it had to do with worship. And so Jesus is talking to this lady about what it looks like to truly honor God, and she gets in a worship conversation. And she gets in a worship war and saying, hey, well, you guys think we should worship in Jerusalem. I think we should worship over here, so we can't seem to get along. And Jesus kind of cuts through all of that, and he says this. He says, hey, listen, the time is coming, indeed it is here now, where the true worshipers are going to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. And so what Jesus is saying is, let's, let's get past your preference and, and their prefer, preference, and let's get back to what God says worship is supposed to be like so we can truly honor God. And so the big idea of what we hope to, to do at RLC, and this is kind of the big idea of the message, is that at ROC, we want to worship God in spirit and in truth. We want to kind of get past all those different things and just say, man, we want to worship God with, our, with all of our heart, with our, our expressions, with our experience, all that wonderful stuff. But we do so because we know the truth of God's Word, that it all goes together. And we, we know God, and knowing God causes us to worship God, and worshiping God calls us to want to know God, and what does that look like in our reality? And as, as Brie and I were, were talking about this, it can be so very complicated, because I am way older than she is, and, uh, and I'm making my peace with it, but back in the, in the 90s, in the church world, we had something we call worship wars. And it was the idea of the different preferences that we had with worship that divided a lot of different people. And so now we, we are in a church where we have all different kinds of backgrounds and all different kinds of denominations. And however you grew up, that's your normal. And so if you grew up not in church, you're good. This is for all of us who grew up in church. And, and so I, I had the idea, and yeah, some people who grew up in church, and it was all about the silence, all right? It was, it was all about, you know, you are, you are supposed to be seen and not heard when it comes to worship. And so maybe you even grew up in an environment where you didn't have instruments, or if you had instruments you your job was to sit and listen to other people as they worshiped and so your, that was your form of normal and so now that's what's normal to you then you had other people that it was all about making a joyful racket i know god calls it a noise but it was a it was a racket to the lord and and you just you know you just you just did it all right whatever it was you just did it and it was loud and obnoxious but it was all for jesus you know and that was your normal all right and so now you know you just think if we would just turn it up a few decibels, the Lord would actually do something around here. You know, that's that's your reality. And, and maybe you're in here. If you're in here, I don't, I don't know. Uh, praise the Lord that you're here. Or maybe you've watched some YouTube videos, but you're wondering, where we're going to bring those things out. All right. Um, well, I, I, because I'm from Alabama, I had people ask me that one time. And so I just want to go ahead and tell you, because you've never known, my answer is no, <laughs> double no, triple no, none of that. Okay. No, no, no. No, you need Jesus if that's your, if that's, that's your jam. All right. You know, we, we ain't going to do none of that. But whatever your normal is, is what you think is normal. And so what we want to do is just take a little while. And we're going to do it in a Q&A fashion. And that is just to kind of cut through all of that and just say, for real life church, what does it look like to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth? And then moving forward, maybe help you understand some of the reasons why we do what we do and to kind of you know, pull back the curtain a little bit. And I didn't think that anybody better to do this than for the person in our church that God has called to lead us in worship. And she doesn't an absolutely amazing job every week, uh, really trying to inspire us to worship the Lord, and just want to give you an opportunity to hear her heart from this, and also to kind of help all of us understand what that is. And so the best way to do this is to start with just getting a little bit of your story. So this is the interview portion of this. So I'm going to sit over here and just... Tell us all about it, Brie. Just go for it. No pressure. That's
1: not intimidating at all. (laughs) Um, Well, hello. Um, I'm going to pull out my phone because I have my notes on my phone. Um, I am a Gen Z. Surprise, surprise. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But before I tell my story, I just wanted to introduce myself um, to those of you who may not know me. Uh, My name is Brie, and we moved here. I moved here with my husband about uh, three and a half, almost four years ago, um, to become the worship pastor here. And Derek is the student pastor and the tech pastor. Here. Uh-huh. And he's here, yeah, there he's he awesome. There he is. Um, but we moved here. We really just felt God calling us um, out of the place that we were and into something brand new. So we moved here and it was terrifying. But we're here and we love it and we're super, super blessed. Um, so, kind of my story. Um, A quick summary of like kind of how I grew up. I grew up that loud racket that um, Pastor (laughs) Brandon was talking about. So I grew up in the Pentecostal holiness movement, um, if any of you have heard of it. Um, It's a little bit more of a uh, kind of legalistic doctrine a little bit, I would say. Um, So if, if you don't know what that is or whatever, it was the whole, you know, I I thought, everyone thought I was Amish, just long skirt, (laughs) long hair, no makeup, all the things. And if that's your jam, like, awesome. Um, It was not my jam. Uh, But yeah, so that's how I grew up. We were very, very expressive in our worship. Um, We only did hymns. That was all that was allowed. But we did the hymns. Uh, (laughs) We sang, played. There was always somebody with a tambourine somewhere, Um, and there was just, everybody was, you know, running aisles, running pews. I remember seeing a pastor like walk the back of the pews and being like, whoa, like, I don't know how he's doing that. And, um, but yeah, so that's kind of how I grew up. Um, and then only about until the age of, um, between nine and 10. And then, um, at that age, we actually got excommunicated or kicked out of our church, (laughs) um, for reasons that were not biblical, it was, it was not a good situation, um, but because of that, God kind of brought us out of that, and um, we found a non-denominational church that we started going to, and it was there that we were introduced to the world of, like, um, worship that was not just hymns, uh, what's the word I'm looking for?
0: Praise and worship?
1: Yeah, sure. Praise and worship. And um, I remember the very first Sunday we went and they started service and it was like a loud drum clang. And I remember my mom like jumping and it was not something we were used to. We were used to the loud, but it was a different loud. And um, I remember it was really uncomfortable, but it was really exciting to hear how other people worship and, and be exposed to something different. So, kind of um, started learning that whole thing, um, and God kind of really just took me through a healing process um, through music and through praise and worship. And so, we were going through this really hard time as a family um, because I was homeschooled, my siblings were homeschooled, and so being taken away from our church and uh, that was everything we knew. We didn't we didn't have anybody else. Our community was our church, and so losing everyone we knew was really difficult and. Um, but God really just took me through this journey of healing through music, and He started putting songs in my heart, and I started writing music, and um, He stirred up a passion to teach myself um, instruments, so I started learning guitar and piano just so that I could accompany my songs that I was writing, and um, so it was really this beautiful process that He began to take me through, um, and then kind of fast-forward a little bit to when I was 14. Um, I was going to the youth group at our church, and I um, they didn't have they were worshiping with like YouTube videos and I remember thinking like okay we we can do this like we can do something different here and so um, I started a worship team at the age of 14 it was just me and a, another singer I think and a guy who played the congas because we didn't <laughs> even have drums so if you don't know what those are it's the the is it the what congas or the bongos bongos the tall ones that's that's Conga's. okay. Conga, yeah. yeah, so Conga's. So he was up there, and uh, we were doing, like, How Great Is Our God? And he's like, do do you know? It was really cool. Um, but that's kind of what we were doing. <laughs> I'm Please not a drummer, me. Please so. Please
0: there's a video of this somewhere. That'd be great.
1: Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we were doing that, and it was um, – God was just really moving. It was super cool. And then, fast forward, then I uh, – Ended up joining the Sunday morning like adult worship team, and I felt so cool because I was 14; I was the youngest one. Um, and then, uh, fast forward a little bit, uh, the young adult uh, group was starting, and they needed someone to um, lead their worship. And I was only 17 at the time, and the group was for 18 to 30 year olds. Um, but the leader came to me, and he was like, "Hey, I just see your heart, and I see you know the passion that God has placed in you. So, I was wondering if you would lead this." So then I started leading. Um, A team of 18 to 30 year olds the average age was probably 25 and I was like hey guys like I felt cool again Um, but leading worship for that and so God really just began putting this huge passion in my heart for worship so that's kind of uh, my story and then um, once I graduated high school I met Derek we got married um, at the fresh age of I was 18 and so my dad says all the time that Derek stole me away and moved me here but I got married at 18 and then we moved here when I was Nineteen. So, all throughout my life, um, God has really just made me do things at an uncomfortable and young age, um, but simply because um, I don't know, He placed it in my heart to do it. And so, then I started going to college and got my bachelor in ministry with an emphasis in worship, and um, graduated last year. And that's kind of how we're here, and that's just the story of of how God really began putting this in my heart. It came from a place of brokenness. And I think that that's a lot of people's story, if you're honest, and like get down to the roots of it, is usually God does something beautiful out of a broken place in your heart. And so that's really um, just where it started for me. Yeah.
0: Well, one of the things I want to do is as we are setting up this, just really helping define the culture of worship at our church, is I was kind of thinking, what are some of the questions that if I was sitting in, in your seat that I would just have, like, like what is this? Why do we do that? And so what we're going to do is we're going to go back and forth. I just want to ask this question for maybe the person out there who has these, and I want you to kind of take notes from this, and there's no way that we can cover everything, but we want to kind of set the foundation and set the tone so that you understand why we do what we do. And so the first question I simply have, which maybe is the most important, is the one that's not working on my screen right now and that is yeah just what what is worship in your estimation What is, what is worship
1: yeah so worship by definition I'm gonna read this for you guys um, that worship is the feeling or expression of reverence and ador- adoration for a deity um, so it's really just it's expressing your love and your adoration toward God Um, we do this in a lot of different ways the primary way that we do that on a Sunday morning that you see is through the music and through the songs that we sing Um we we choose songs that talk about God's character, that talk about, um, what he's done for us, kind of what he's brought us through. And, um, and that's, that's how a lot of people think of worship, but also worship is so much more than that. Um, it's, it's, Obedience to God, and so um, how you live your life is worship to God when you go to a job that you maybe hate but god hasn 't released you from yet that's that 's an act of worship for you when we take up you know tithes and offerings like that 's an act of worship and so worship is many things, but um, primarily it's it 's simply showing your love and your adoration for jesus and um, it 's shown all throughout the Bible um, worship is when um, God did anything, or even if He hadn't done anything yet, but they were expecting something. They worship Him. They worship through song. They worship through dance. Um, we see when the when God brought the Israelites um, through the Red Sea, they sang a song, glorifying Him and singing praises to Him. And so that's that's really worship. It's it's a position of your heart um, to just bring praise and glory to God. It's not about you or anything you've done. It's it's simply thanking Him for who He is and what He's done in your life.
0: Yeah, I love that idea of, you, may, you say worship is a position of your heart, and so the vehicles of worship change. You know, like, like one of the vehicles that we're talking about here today is what we just got through doing and, and singing. But, you know, you just said that, that worship is also, when, we, when you go and you, you go to a job you don't want to, but you do it as an act of worship, that, that becomes worship, you know, or maybe staying in a difficult situation because you want to be faithful and you're saying, God, I'm doing this as an act of worship. You know, when, when we open God's word and we, we learn God's word together, it's an, it's an act of worship. Anything that you are doing um, as an act of worship to God can become that, that thing. And so the idea becomes then that worship is not something we do on Sunday morning, we just express our worship to God through music and through uh, preaching and through praying with one another, but it becomes really a lifestyle that, that we do, correct?
1: Yeah, and any and it's anything that's sacrificial, that's that's worship. I, I shared a few weeks ago about, you know, how finding it a little bit difficult to bring our son in on early Sunday mornings, and he'll scream his head off and try to be running around, and I'm like, God, what are we doing here, you know? Um, but God reminded me that that is an act of worship, bringing Judah here early in the in the morning so that we can prepare with the team and and prepare worship for you guys to be able to come and and sing music, sing songs to to jesus like that is an act of worship in and of itself and i think i even forget that oftentimes that it's not just singing a song it's it's everything we do that's sacrificial
0: yeah, that can even be then in any way that we serve one another. You know, we're, you know, we're we're serving in different areas of our church, and we high five somebody. Just anything we're doing that we're trying to connect people to the Lord can be God. I'm doing this uh, for you in an act of worship and everything we do, and that can be very different depending on your background. You know, I, we used to have our very first song when I was growing up was called "The Call to Worship." I was like, oh, okay, so we're going to start worshiping now. And it wasn't until later. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. It, we, we've been worshiping the whole time. If we've been you know, pointing it toward God, it's just become that lifestyle. So then here's the, the obvious question then, and that is then what worship is not? So if, if worship is a lifestyle, then, then what is it not that make, maybe sometimes we make it to be?
1: Uh, worship is definitely not prideful. It cannot be prideful. Um, if there is pride, it's not worship to the Lord. Um, it is um, not anything that glorifies self. It is something that completely glorifies God. Um, but then also, I just wanted to say, like, it's not a show. Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of times, you know, people come in to Sunday morning service, and um, none of you guys, of course, but, you know, people come in on a Sunday morning, and they're like, okay, I'm going to sit, and I'm going to listen to the worship team, and they're going to they're gonna. Worship for me, and they're gonna, and it's that's not what worship is. Worship is not a show. So everything that we do up here on the platform, it's it's not just to be like, hey, look how good we are up here. Like, look how awesome we can be. Um, it's it's simply to invite you into that place and invite you and invite the presence of the Lord into this space. And so I think a lot of times we can get um, confused or just forget. And, and think, oh, it's just, you know, that's where they sing a couple songs, but it's, it's not a show. It's something that we're supposed to do um, unified as a body of Christ and to, to worship Him.
0: Yeah, you know, that's one of the things Bree and I were talking about is um, I went to a church one time that the choir actually sat in the balcony back behind everybody because they so wanted to get the focus on when we come together, it is not intended to be a performance. It is intended to be the community of God worshiping the Lord. But it, it sometimes can be confusing, right? Because all of you are sitting there and you're looking in this direction and everybody up here is singing looking in that direction and it, it looks a lot like a concert, you know, which and when you go to a concert, that's what you're expecting, right? You go to see your favorite um, artist down in Nashville and you go to the Bridgestone, the, the goal is... They are supposed to entertain you. Of course, right? They're going to sing their, their favorite songs. you're going to sing really loud, obnoxiously with them. You're going to have a great time and eat some popcorn. Well, the, the difference is, is even though it looks the same, it's supposed to be extremely different when you come to church. Because the goal is actually that what Brie and our team do is they provide all of us with the vehicle. That we get on together and we go worship the Lord together. And I was in a church one time and it it was a little creepy, but the idea was good. And that is they turned all the lights out on the stage. Like you couldn't see anybody. They blacked everything out and you couldn't see them. And just the voice boomed out. The leader, he was like, we want you guys for one Sunday to forget we're here. So maybe for just a moment you remember that it's all about Jesus. And I was feeling so convicted because I was there to see (laughs) all of them, you know, because I'd heard that they were just really great at leading worship. And I was like, okay, that was for me. Sorry, Jesus. And they just, the whole worship set, you couldn't see anybody on stage. And for like the first song, it was awkward. But then after that, it just became an anthem that everybody started worshiping the Lord together. It was one of the most powerful worship experiences I'd ever been in because. That odd dynamic that we're in all of a sudden didn't become a barrier anymore. And it all became all of us worshiping the Lord. And so I love what she said. Worship is not a performance. You know, in other environments, yes, those are performances. This is intended to be uh, a vehicle for us to all worship the Lord together. And so I, I love that idea. The next question is, why do you ask me to lift my hands, all right? And uh, I've, I've heard, uh, seen a lot of worship leaders do this, is I'm standing here minding my business, You're doing a real good job leading worship, and then you ask me to to lift my hands, you ask me to engage with you, you ask me to clap. Like, just to be super snarky for a moment, why are you asking me to engage? Isn't that your job? No. (laughs) Good answer. Good answer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, one thing that I used to do when we first moved here and I was trying to, you know, learn how to lead worship more so in in this um, kind of a space is I would always tell people, like, if you're comfortable, raise your hands where you are. And I really felt one Sunday God really convict me and be like, it's not supposed to be comfortable. Like, we're not supposed to be just walking around like, oh, everything's so comfortable. And so I've kind of removed that from my language and usually I'm just like, put your hands up where you are. Um, <laughs> and it's not to be, you know, domineering or whatever, but... Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just truthful here. Um, but lifted hands is, is a sign of surrender, and, and it's not comfortable to surrender. You know, when you have your hands lifted high, you are fully exposed. You know, you're vulnerable. You can't hold on to things when you have your hands up. And so um, God really convicted my heart one time and he, he was like, Brie, I want people to surrender. I, I don't want it to be comfortable for them. It's not going to be. And so that's um, the reason that that we ask you to raise your hands. And it's more than just, hey, lift your hands. It's, it's an invitation to, hey, remember that we're doing this together. This is not us performing for you. This is not us worshiping for you because no one can worship for you except for you. And so... Um, Sorry, I lost my, whatever. Um, <laughs> um, it's, it's No one can worship for you but you. So when we, when we remind you, hey, like lift your hands with us, it's not just so that we can look out and be like, wow, that's pretty. Like you all look great. <laughs> it, it's so that you can be brought back in, hey, remember what we're doing. And it would be great if we could all just constantly be in this space where we remember why we worship, we remember why we lift our hands. But the honest truth is we all have life going on and we all have things that happen, you know. We've gotten in a fight with our spouse in the morning before church and so we walk in and it's it's really just a reminder, hey, remember why we're here. Let's remember why we're doing this. Let's remember that this is about Jesus right now. This isn't about us. This isn't about what we're going through. This is about hey, he's worthy. So let's lift our hands. Let's surrender to him and um it's actually shown in the bible and paul speaks to timothy we've got that verse up here yeah in every place of worship i want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to god free from anger and controversy and you can see that not just in this verse. There's so many scriptures all throughout the Bible that's, that talk about, hey, lift up your hands to the Lord. And it's just a reminder, hey, surrender to him. Give him what you have. Because like I said, we can't we can't hold on. When we're like this, you know, we're, we're safe. We're holding on to things. But when we're like this, we're exposed and we're vulnerable. And that's where God wants us to be. Um, we want people to worship with us because we know what the power of God can do and we want God we want you to experience that power too so when i when i invite you to worship with us to to lift your hands it's just i want you to experience all the goodness that God has and we can't always do that when we're feeling comfortable and safe
0: yeah, i love that idea that so if since this is not a performance it's leadership it's leading us into the presence of God, and I will admit, sometimes because of just different things that's gone on in my world that week, I forget, and so that, that reminder of, hey, let's lift our hands together, hey, let's clap together, like, oh, yeah, 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 Hel- helping me get in that space so that I can have that encounter with God, and so, so really what, what you're doing is you're just reminding us of the opportunity to engage in God's presence. The next question is, well, I'm going to tell you something about this thing right here. Like, I I nicknamed my TV Tim after last week, and so Tim's struggling today, so... Um, there there it is all right why, why do we invite people to the front during worship? You, you do that we don 't do it, but you do invite us every single sunday so what 's up with that I, I like my chair so what's what 's the deal
1: Yes, yeah, so we do this uh for a similar reason that we invite you to lift your hands it's it 's to invite you to participate in worship with us um, but it 's uh, it 's symbolism and it's it 's really an outward act to show an to reflect an inward one that you 're making to toward the lord and so um when i was talking this through with derek and just kind of going over all these questions you know i was like you know god is a really really intentional god he when he reaches out to you like he reaches out to you yes he died for everyone he reaches out to everyone but he knows exactly what you need he's very purposeful in how he pursues you and i was like you know that's that's why we we invite you to come to the front. It's so that you can be very purposeful in how you pursue the Lord, and um, it's it's also it helps free up distractions. You know, if I'm sitting in a seat and seeing a bunch of people in front of me, and somebody drops something, or somebody's got a baby, I'm like, oh, cute baby. And you know, I think it's it's so easy to get distracted, but when we come up front, that it eliminates those distractions. It also is another. Um, it's it's sacrificial. I mean, it's really. Safe. And comfortable to sit in your in the back in your seat, and it's like, oh, this is cozy. You know, this is my place. Like when we uh, were growing up, we had our pew that we sat in. Like our church was really small. We never really had um, new visitors, and so we had the third from the front. That was ours. (laughs) That was where we sat. And everybody knew that our family sat there. And so I think we get, we just really get comfortable and we get in this routine. um, But when we go to the front, it makes us uncomfortable. And it shows that we're willing. You know, it's God doesn't need us to be at the front. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's in the back. He's in the front. He's over at Hardee's right now. Like, he's everywhere. Um, But we move to the front to show him, like, hey, God, I'm going to take an intentional step toward you because I know that you're intentionally reaching to me. And so um, that's why we do that. Um, Also, at the front, um, back in the old church, how I grew up, we used to have what they called altars at the front. I don't know if anybody else grew up in churches like that, um, and, you know, you'd go kneel at the altar, um, but an altar is a place of sacrifice, and that's where, you know, people gave of the best of what they had to the Lord to be forgiven for sins as an act of worship, like all of those things, and so when we invite you to the front, it's also inviting you to sacrifice whatever it is that you want to hold on to, whatever it is that you don't don't want to give up. Um, the front is a place to hey, I'm I'm gonna give this to you, God. I don't want to give it up. Like you know, nobody wanted to give up the best of their sheep or whatever. Like that's the best. They didn't have any spots, but they gave it to the Lord because that's what he asked of them. And I was um, listening to someone talk about worship not too long ago, and she said, you know, I don't know why it's so hard. All God wants is your everything. (laughs) I was like, well, okay. (laughs) But it's, it's true, you know, he wants everything from us. And so inviting you to the front is just saying, hey, sacrifice whatever it is that you want to hold on to whatever it is that's also you know standing in the way of the fullness that you could have from the lord so often we hold on to things it's not even necessarily sins but we're holding on to things that are keeping us at a distance from the lord in some way and so we just invite you here to to lay that down at his feet and to sacrifice that for him.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the exact same reason why we offer opportunities at the end of the message during the worship time to come come front, up front of the altars because there's just something about that step of I'm stepping out of my circumstances and I'm getting God involved, something physical, that is amazing. When I gave my life to Jesus, uh, we didn't have that opportunity that so many of you did where you, you, know, you raised your hands, you prayed the prayer, and you got saved in your seat. Uh, I was at a revival service where this guy got up there and he said, Jesus died on top of Ca- Mount Calvary in front of everybody. If you want to get saved, come up here to the front. And I was like, oh, that's uncomfortable. <laughs> you know? And so I did, man. I had to come up front. And my, my salvation, I think, happened not when I got up front. It was the moment I stepped out. Because that, that was the moment where I went all in. And I was like, okay, God, I'm, gonna, I'm risking embarrassing myself to say I want all of you. And I remember just immediately feeling different the moment that I stepped out and, uh, for, for Jesus. And so I think that's that same dynamic of just going all in. Uh, with the Lord,
1: yeah, and I and I had a very similar story one time. Not my salvation story, but um, as I said, like we we had been excommunicated from a church, and there was a lot of bitterness that had rooted in my heart um, that I didn't even I recognized a little bit, but I I didn't really fully realize. And I remember a pastor preaching a sermon, and it didn't seem to be relatable to me at all Um, but then i remember he said one line and he said that god spoke to him and said you can get bitter or you can get better and in that moment i knew like that line was for me because it was kind of out of context of his sermon like it wasn't really what he was talking about and immediately i don't know if you've ever felt you know that heart pounding like your hands are all sweaty now and all of a sudden you're like whoa like god just spoke to me and i i god told me right then like get out of your seat and go to the front if you want to get better and it was terrifying because he was still preaching. Like, he was still in the middle of his sermon. Um, but as soon as I stepped out, I just immediately started sobbing and felt the presence of the Lord. And he really, he healed my heart in that night of all the bitterness that that's I was amazing. holding on to. And, yeah, it was it was so incredible. But it was because I was willing to take that step. I was willing to get uncomfortable because I didn't want to live. Because you're uncomfortable either way, right? If you're living, holding on to these things, that's uncomfortable too. So you have to pick which one you want to be uncomfortable in. And then God always meets you where you are, and he always fills you with peace and and whatever it is that you're needing.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Next question is... <laughs> Tim, struggling, man. All right. Uh, why are some people so expressive with their worship? So some people seem to be uh, stoic, reserved, and some people seem like they're just all over the place. Why, why is that the way it is?
1: Well, there's... Okay, so I think that... There's not like an easy answer to this, um, but kind of when I was when I was thinking it through, um, I got really excited to talk about it because if you know me, I'm an expressive everything. Like every, <laughs> I'm expressive about all of the things. Like you bring in a puppy, I'm like. Oh. If you like say that you just got a new dress, I'm like that's so cool. Like I'm just I'm really expressive about everything, and I've always been an expressive worshipper. Can um, you
0: do the new Can you do the new puppy thing again? Can you do that? <laughs> somebody Um, needs to record that that's a new name for something no but
1: so I've always just been expressive and that part of it could be the way that I grew up you know like I said the holy racket that you know we made and watching people run around and run pews and all of those things um but I think that a lot of times um we can use the the kind of like excuse or the thought of like well it's just our personality because part of that is true like it is my personality to be expressive that's just I'm I'm the youngest kid so I don't know if I felt like I had to make my presence known I don't know Um, but I've always been more bubbly and stuff and I think we we can use that of like well it's just her personality to be expressive that's not who I am so Um, but I kind of was thinking it through and I was like you know there's usually at least one thing in life that every, like that someone will get expressive about, that they'll get passionate about enough to be expressive. So like, um, for some people, it may be sports. Like, Derek isn't always super expressive, but I watched his favorite team lose a basketball game one time, and i tell you, he was expressing. <laughs> so, I mean, um, also, uh, some people, you know, you get cut off in traffic, and you're all of a sudden very expressive. <laughs> you know, you're not going to be like, oh, well, shoot, that's dumb. <laughs> like, no, like, people are yelling, you know, hitting stuff or whatever. I am I got really bad road I'm rage. I'm feeling
0: called out right um, now. But, you
1: know. <laughs> So there's usually something that gets you expressive. So I was thinking it through, and I was like, you know, I just don't think that that is, is a thing of, of, oh, it's my personality. Um, but I think that we can forget oftentimes that God requires us to be expressive in our worship. You know, it doesn't have to be 24-7. We're always shouting every time we worship. He requires different things. And we see that throughout Scripture. Um, Psalm 47.1. I don't think we have that up there. We do. There. Um, Psalm 47 one says, come everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful praise. Yep. Psalm 149 three says, praise his name with dancing accompanied by the tambourine and harp. Sorry, it's biblical PV. <laughs> um, I was going to tell, I, listen, I was talking to Derek and I was like, I'm going to tell everybody to bring their tambourine next to uh-uh. uh-huh. No, <laughs> no, said, no, no, no,
0: I got a, I got, I know <laughs> it's in the Bible. I got a real good reason why I don't like tambourines. I'll tell you about it sometime. Okay. Just. <laughs>
1: They will be confiscated if you bring them next week. Sorry. Um. There is
0: there is a security guard waiting to bless you with taking that away. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yes. So, um, But it, it is very biblical to be expressive in our worship. But expression doesn't always mean shouting or clapping. But it also means, I mean, there's plenty of scriptures that talk about bowing your face before the Lord. I'm, I mean, I've been up here before, and God has been like, get on your knees. And I'm like, okay. You know, and so I just get on my knees. And, and it's it's all these different ways that we worship God. And so... I think it looks different. I think some people think when they think, oh, I need to express in worship, they only think of like shouting or running and dancing. But it's many different things. We express our worship through clapping, through kneeling, through shouting, through all the things. Um, and so I think that a lot of times we can get we get comfortable, again, it's that that word again, we get comfortable in what maybe we grew up in, maybe you grew up in the churches like Pastor Brandon was talking about where, you know, there wasn't music or um, there wasn't those things and so you've just never really seen it done and so it's, it's new to you, um, but I think whatever your reasoning, I would just challenge you to really seek your own heart and ask God to seek your heart of like, why don't I feel like I can be expressive in my worship? I think sometimes we're afraid of embarrassment, um, that people will look at us. Um, Some people take that real humble route and they're like, you know, I just feel like I'm going to draw attention to myself and it's not about me, it's about the Lord. So I'm not going to express myself in my worship because I don't want people looking at me. But that's also pride in a way, too, because you're, you're too concerned with self to acknowledge what God is asking of you. And so I would just really challenge you, if you're that person who isn't expressive in their worship, to seek out why. Um, I think sometimes, too, we don't fully believe that he's worthy. And so that's why we're not expressive. And I know, like, everyone would be like, oh, well, I, don't, I know God is worthy. And yeah, we can know that with our minds, but to know that with our heart sometimes is different. Um, Another kind of personal story, um, when I was going through something really difficult, I was always an expressive worshiper. Well, I chose to not be because I was in in my heart. I didn't believe god was worthy in that moment of my worship because i hadn't seen his faithfulness lately and i was going through this hard time and i'm like you know god's just not worthy i would have never said that with my mouth and i i probably would have never thought that with my mind but that was truly my heart and so i was receiving prayer one sunday morning and i was arms crossed and i was the pastor was laying his hand on me and i was like i'm not receiving this (laughs) and he spoke to me in that moment and he was like we're when I'm done praying for you, like, you need to raise your hands. And it wasn't, he was was saying, you need to acknowledge that God is worthy of your worship. Because at all times, no matter what you're going through, God is always worthy. And so that's another reason that I think that we don't always recognize. Um, But another reason that we could not be expressive in our worship.
0: That's good. That's good. Another question is, uh, what are some misconceptions about worship?
1: I think a huge misconception that I've been hearing lately, um, especially with uh, Gen Z or, you know, the millennials or whatever, um, but in in every generation, um, is that worship is emotionally manipulating you. And I think... Sure, there's some of that, you know, in in anything that's good, Satan is always going to try and pervert it, right? So there's always going to be, you know, a group of people or a church or there's there's always going to be someone who's maybe not quite doing things with the best of intentions um but hearing recently that oh all churches do like they have the music and the lights and what and whatever it's all to emotionally manipulate you and and that is just for that couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth you know we do all these things we have the lights we have all of these things these are tools Um, that we use to help people engage in worship you know we have lights on the stage so that you don't feel like everyone's looking at you it helps eliminate distractions in the in the auditorium Um, we have the music up loud so that you can feel like you can sing as loud as you want to and give God as loud of a praise as you want to and you don't have to feel like everyone's hearing you over everyone else. And I think a lot of times people think, oh, well, you just have it loud so that we can't hear our own thoughts and so that you can get across what you want to get across. and it's, it's not true. We, we use all of these things as a tool so that you can feel as free and as comfortable as you can to get uncomfortable and to worship and do those things before the Lord. Um, everything we do is super intentional. It's not to manipulate you. Um, it's, it's so that you can experience the fullness of God and experience everything that He wants to give you that day.
0: That's amazing. That's good. All right, so let's, let's finish up with one more question for you, and that is, if you could sum up our vision for worship, for the worship culture at Real Life Church, what would it be?
1: If I could have a vision for the worship culture, it would be that everyone has learned so fully what it means to truly worship God, that you don't just expect only to worship on Sunday mornings, but that you do it in your life and in your homes as well. Um, One thing that I do um, all the time is worship on my own in my home. Um, sometimes I just play YouTube videos. Sometimes I play my own music and um, and sing just at a piano. But but I'm always worshiping in, in some sort of way um, on, on a daily basis. And I remember being younger and I didn't really do that a whole lot because I didn't realize that you could worship in that way um, on your own at home. And so I will be I will be in my living room with, we have two golden doodles. They'll be going crazy, but I've got a worship song on the TV and, and I'll just be worshiping so much so that our son has started like modeling it. And he walked up to the TV the other day as the worship song was playing and he just kind of lifted his hands <laughs> and um, it was so precious. I was sobbing, but it's fine. Um, but it's, it's, it's. I would hope that we can portray worship in such a way that you want so much more of it that Sunday morning worship isn't enough that you would go home and that you would find that space um, in your own home and with your families and with your spouse and that you would find that place with the Lord it talks about in the Bible the secret place and that you would find that secret place and so that when you come together and when we are all here we walk through the doors and we're ready to worship. We don't have to get through two songs before you're like, okay, like I'm ready to worship now. You've prepared your heart all week. So you walk in these doors and you're like, I'm so excited to worship. I worship all the time, but now I get to do it with my family. Yeah. And um, that, that's just really my hope and that you would feel free and comfortable to do that in this place because it is a place where we, we can be unified and worship and not have to worry what other people think.
0: Well, Brie, on behalf of everybody else, thank you so much for leading us, and thank you for entering into that space and challenging us to take that step, and we're, we're thankful for your leadership. Can you celebrate her as we finish up? Yeah. Right. All right, so let's finish up our time together. If you want to get out your message notes again, uh, the goal of this service today was just to encourage you that worship is all through the Bible. There's all manner of different ways we worship, all different kinds of worship. And the goal is who it's, who it's for, like who, who are you pointing it at? If you look in the, on your message notes, there's seven different ways uh, at least that you can worship the Lord. You've got, you got know, yeah these are these are Hebrew words. You've got hallel, which is where we get the word hallelujah from. And it means to celebrate or to be clamorously foolish. And so if some of y'all didn't realize, y'all, y'all are y'all are worshiping all the time because you're foolish like I am. My kids are always telling me I'm acting a fool. And so you're worshiping and not even know it. And uh, and that's sometimes when we we get excited and expressive in our worship. That's what we're doing. You've got yada, which sounds like Yoda, but it's not the the green puppet. It's, It's extended hands. We lift our hands to worship. You've got toda, which is when you open your hands to praise like this, believing that God is moving in your life in a way you don't yet see. And so that's what, it's just a symbol of our worship. You've got uh, Shabah. You've got to spit on somebody when you say you've got Shabah, you know, and that is to shout. And so as a matter of fact, we're going to give that one a shot. I'm going to count to three. I want you to say amen as loud as you can. One, two, three. It's, it's all right. Work on it. All right. <laughs> no, that, that's when you want to warn your neighbor about it, all right? If, you, if you're in the middle of worship and you want to Shabah, you want to tell them. You're going to scare them, all right? So that's, that's all right. And that's one reason why we have the music as loud as we can is because maybe you're like me and sometimes it took everything I had to be here. And so my, my worship is loud because I'm reminding myself, I'm reminding my past, I'm reminding the devil that I still trust in God, even over my circumstances. And sometimes my worship is loud because it's the only thing that makes sense in my world in that moment. Uh, you've got uh, Zimar, or excuse me, Barak, which is to, to kneel down. You've got Zimar, which is to praise through playing music. And so every time you see them up here, they're, they're zamarin. So wouldn't that be cool if that entered into the lexicon of RLC? Man, that zamar was amazing today, right? It was uh, them, them playing music before the Lord. And then you've got Tehila, which is to singing out loud, which sounds a lot like tequila. And you also sing out loud when you've had some tequila. <laughs> um, but tehillah is when you sing out loud before the Lord. And so, so the point is, is we're not asking you to do anything. There's a balance with worshiping the Lord, it's always the why. Why are you doing it? You know, why, why are you worshiping? If it's to get all of our attention, we already think you're awesome. If it's to celebrate the Lord, then that's, that's awesome too. You know, and I, I remember one time I was criticizing this lady just to kind of tell you the journey God's had me on. I was at a church and there was a lady that every once in a while, she would go stand in the back of the church and she would dance. And it was like this beautiful ballet type dancing and I'll just be really honest with you I was super critical and I was like why in the world is she doing that that's just ridiculous I was just I was just being so judgy you know just oh so judgy and one time I was complaining to a friend of mine and I and it, my friend was like dude she's in the back she's not bothering anything what, what's your problem well she shouldn't be doing that like I was like the the worship police or something and and um and he said do you not know her story <laughs> like, no what's her story and he said well over the course of five years she had three miscarriages." And the last miscarriage, it wasn't really a miscarriage, it was more of a stillbirth because she took the baby to to 30 weeks and then she lost her baby. And she went through horrible mourning over that. And she almost lost her mind. And one night she had a dream. She said it was the most vivid dream she'd ever had. And in her dream, Jesus was dancing with her baby. And the Lord looked at her and said, it's okay. Your little girl's with me. And I can't wait for you to meet her one day. And so she said when the pain gets too much and when all she can do is remember how much she misses that baby, she goes to the back and she dances with Jesus and her baby and she knows that that's not what's really happening but it's a symbol of what God is doing in her life. And so it was the idea of how dare you criticize somebody else's worship. You have no idea what they've been through. Maybe they're shouting because nothing else makes sense in their life. Maybe they come up front and they raise their hands because they're so sick and tired of what they've been in the middle of. that they're like, God, you can have everything. Maybe they go to back and they worship and they jump up and down because Jesus has set them free from from darkness that you can't even imagine. It's easy to criticize what you don't know. And so my hope for all of us at RLC is that we will get to the place where we had room to worship. And if we get excited because let's just be honest too broken people do broken things for broken reasons. And so on occasion there may be a time when somebody gets a little excited. And so we're going to step into that space and say, hey, we love you. Take it down one decibel because we want to worship with you. And not to embarrass anybody, but just to make room. And so as we get ready into our time, I want to answer this last question I get all the time. And that is, why does God desire my worship? Does God have an inferiority complex? Is he insecure? Why does God ask me to worship? Well, the answer is no. God doesn't need our worship. Rather, it's an invitation to come home. It reminds me of this past summer, we went to, to Arkansas, and we were there for several days. My girls went on a, a missions trip out there, and it was a wonderful trip, but I'm just like a homebody. Like, I love being at home. I love being in my chair with my cup of coffee, laying in my bed at night. I was just, I'm a homebody. And the longer I was there, I was having a good time, but I was just getting homesick. I was just ready to be home. And so when it was finally time to leave that morning, I got up, and I was so excited because I was going home. I got my car and I started heading that way and I was so excited because I was headed home and every mile we got I was getting more and more excited because I was going to sleep in my bed that night and even when we stopped to eat I was ready I was ready to go. I was ready to go. I don't know if you've ever been like that and finally we get off the interstate into Bowling Green and I was so excited because we're almost home. I pull into my driveway. I was so excited. We're almost there and then I didn't even get out our luggage. I just walked in my house and I was like, I made it home and just that feeling was awesome. That's what it's like when we worship. If you go all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter one, two, and three, the Bible said that God created us to be in fellowship with him. Genesis three, the Bible said that God would come down in the cool of the day and he would be in fellowship with mankind. But sin ripped that away from us. And so then all of our lives become a long journey back home to him. And so what God knows is that you are your best self when you're in his presence. For just a little while, everything can make sense, there can be peace in your heart, there can be joy in your life, and just for a moment, you're at home in his presence. So when God asks us to worship, it's not because he needs it, it's because he knows that your heart will always be in search of home until it finds its home in him. God's word says it like this, it says, you will show me the way of life, granting me joy in your presence. And the pleasures of living with you forever. And so when he invites us into worship, he's inviting us to come home. Jesus said it like this. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Today in our soap Bible reading, it's 1 Peter chapter 5, and it says, cast all your cares and worries on me, for I care about you. One of the most amazing opportunities that we have is to enter into the presence of God and cast everything we have on Him. That's why we worship. And so in just a moment, what we're going to do is the band's going to come around, and they're going to give us this one opportunity to lead us in worship. And I want to ask you this question. Where do you need to come home in your life? Where do you find yourself wandering? Is it in a a relationship situation? Is it in a a job situation? Is it in a health situation? Where where do you feel like you're in a distant place? Where is God drawing you back into his presence? Not for his sake, but for ours. What I would encourage you to do is to give it to the Lord. We begin to worship, just enter into his presence and say, God, I give you all of that. Enter into his presence. Because as God's word says, it's in his presence where we find fullness of joy. It's that sigh of relief because I finally made it home. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your presence and your mercy in our life. Thank you, God, that you see us and you know us. Thank you, God, that in this moment it's been a very different service with very different kind of ideas, but it's a hope, Lord, just to realize what you're doing in our lives and realize the opportunities that we have to enter into your presence and why we enter into your presence. God, I know that in any given situation, as many different people that are in here, or the many different things that's going on, but I know, God, that you can speak to every one of those. For some of us, God, we, we feel like we've been on a long journey, and we've never been home, because we've never given our hearts and our lives to you. I pray that as we worship, God, that we'll turn our hearts over to you. That's what salvation is. It's repenting of our sin and turning our heart toward you. For others of us, God, we've spent so long away from your presence, maybe because of a hurt or a wound or a lie from the enemy, but I pray that we will sense that gentle drawing of you, Holy Spirit, to come back to you. As we worship you, help us to come home. Help us to realize that we were made to be in your presence and we celebrate you Jesus name we pray amen would you stand with me all over the house this morning we're gonna sing one more worship song and I just want to invite you to worship the Lord whatever that looks like maybe you just want to stand there and just soak in the presence of God maybe you want to raise your hands maybe you want to come forward and just lay something down before the Lord if you'd like to receive one-on-one prayer we're gonna have prayer team in the back Autumn and I are gonna be standing right here we would love to pray with you whatever's going on in your life so I ask you this question what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you to take a next step